Hi, this is Aaron Orlando reporting for the Revelstoke Mountaineer. I'm joined by Nicole Frico, who is a Revelstoke-based business strategist. And Nicole's been working for the Revelstoke Community Housing Society on an emergency shelter feasibility study. She's going to be presenting it uh, to the community at the end of the month. Um, Nicole joined uh, is joined with me today to talk about the study and find out a little bit more about uh, what she found out ahead of the meeting. Nicole, thanks for joining me. Thank you. So the emergency shelter feasibility study, what is it? So I was contracted last April to take a look at whether Revelstoke would benefit from an emergency shelter or having an emergency shelter. And that encompasses a variety of questions, including is there any demand for an emergency shelter? Is there people who need an emergency shelter? What sort of um, facility would that look like if we were to have one? Uh, how would we pay for that? What would be the funding sources for that sort of facility? Where would we put it? So it's a variety of different questions. Um, and basically the idea was to find out or suss out some of the answers to those questions and be able to present that to the community so we could move forward on a project. And what did you find out? I found out a variety of things. Revelstoke would definitely benefit from an emergency shelter was one of the final findings. However, it's a very, very large pro problem and we need to take a look at it from a much more global perspective. Currently in Revelstoke, there is a significant housing issue. And when I say housing issue, that means vacancy rates. That means inability for people to on who have low income or fixed income to be able to find any realistic housing options. So for them to be able to do that is very difficult. So having an emergency shelter in itself is not enough. We need a, a larger facility. We need a facility that would provide both an emergency shelter and supportive housing. So what does that then mean? So emergency shelter, as I understand it, is is a temporary, like a one month or two month um, facility that would uh, deal with someone who's in crisis. Um, and, but you're saying we need more than that. What, uh, describe what more we need. In yeah, so that's a great question. So an emergency shelter in general is usually in BC. It's funded by BC Housing. That's the major funder for emergency shelters in BC. And the mandate of emergency shelters is to provide temporary housing for individuals for up to 60 days. And that mandate is, um, although it's it's very beneficial, uh, it can help a lot of people who are in, an, in a transitional state or who are in an emergency state where they need housing. In Revelstoke, it's not enough. Actually, almost anywhere it's not enough. Most emergency shelters in BC are uh, heavily overrun. They are unable to find housing for people after 60 days. We would definitely have trouble finding housing for people after 60 days. So we need the next step. And currently we don't have that next step. We don't have supportive housing or something for people who are living in emergency shelter to move to. So we may be able to, if we put in an emergency shelter, we would be able to house people for 60 days, but then they would have nowhere to go. As a community, we've had the conversation um, about homelessness and and affordable housing issues for, especially since um, uh, we've started a transition to a resort community, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, you approach this uh, through your training and your background um, from a bit of a different perspective. You're a business analyst. Um, when you and you've been in the community for about a year and a half yeah. or something like that. So, so when you uh, embarked on the study and went out there and did the field work, what did you see? Can you describe the nature of, of our issues uh, as it stands through through your research for us? Yeah, absolutely. So. When I started talking to people, this, this study required a lot of interviews and meeting with different people, meeting with different agencies. And in general, what I found was that people 
tend to see, a lot of people in Revelstoke tend to see homelessness as three or four people who currently live on the street. But that's not actually the reality of homelessness in Revelstoke, particularly in the winter when the housing has so much pressure on it. There's individuals who are couch surfing. So technically they have a place to stay for the night, but they definitely don't own it. They're probably not renting it. Some of them, um, there was a couple of different individuals who worked for agencies who mentioned that there was women who were paying for housing with sex currently, and that was how they were managing to find housing for a week or for a month or for even the year. And and that they're technically homeless. There's other individuals who are living in apartments with two separate families, two-bedroom apartment, uh, three kids each, and it's, it's inappropriate housing. We don't see them on a day-to-day basis on the street, so we don't consider them homeless, but they're homeless, and they're at risk of becoming in a worse situation because there is no, there's not a lot of housing for them to find. How do we get there? To, you know, you've described a need for not just a, an emergency shelter, but, but other forms of supportive housing. What's the path? How do we do it? Okay, so this study was really the first, it's it's the first step. It's not the only step that's been taken on this issue, to be clear. Um, Kathy Gerling, Jill Zacharias, uh, there's been a lot of people who've been working on this for a while, and there's been studies previous to this that have basically said, we need some supportive housing in town. Um, this was, to my knowledge, the first one that was specifically looking at the emergency shelter issue. The next step in this is to take a look at funding and take a look at who should run it. So my recommendation was that Community Connections um, needs to be considered as the, probably the best uh, place to run this t- type of facility. And the reason I'm making that recommendation is because they already do the food bank. They already have a lot of the support services that homeless individuals would need and that would need to surround this type of facility. So the next step is to work the municipal government to work with the provincial government and BC Housing and CMHA to try and put together the funding for this type of facility. Are those organizations that you're talking about, especially the you know the BC Housing is a big one, a big provincial organization? Um, do they have do they have money available for these types of projects uh, these days? Yeah, there's money available, uh, but it's hard to get. Right, homelessness isn't just an issue in Revelstoke; it's an issue across the province. And so they, if you take a think of BC Housing, they have to deal with homelessness in Vancouver and Victoria and all of these other places, which would appear to have a lot more homelessness than Revelstoke. I think from an outsider's perspective. Um, So it's a matter of making the case that we have an issue here that needs to be dealt with. And I think one of the biggest things that I'd like to come back to is that it will have to be partnered, right? BC Housing doesn't want to fund this type of project on its own in the same way that the municipal government doesn't have the money to fund this type of project on its own. The municipal government needs to work with organizations like CBT and CMHA and BC Housing, and they all need to work together. And I think that's the type of project that could succeed. You mentioned that that for um, funding for these kinds of projects, we're 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 essentially in competition with every other community that also has a similar problem. How bad is our problem um, compared to other communities, and where are we at as a community in terms of response to that? Yeah, I think our problem is pretty. It's pretty bad for for a town our size. We have some interesting demographics and some interesting housing issues that some other communities do not have. So one of the communities that I looked quite a lot at was Hope. Hope is, the reason I looked at Hope is because it's about the similar size. I think it's 8,000 people. It is also on the Trans-Canada. And it has homeless individuals who are coming in from Vancouver and other places. What makes our situation particularly difficult is that we are a resort community, which means that we have a lot of pressure on our housing. 
we're on the Trans Canada, so people are getting off the bus and um, arriving in Revelstoke. And if they don't have any money, they may have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to get to, and then they're stuck. One of the things that I spoke to Kurt Karinsky, the um, head of the RCMP, about was that we are the perfect distance from both Calgary and Vancouver, where people will get on the bus, they will have a few drinks, they will be drunk enough that they will get kicked off the bus, and then they'll be in Revelstoke. And they'll arrive, and they have nowhere to go. They, the bus will not put them back. They, we can't put them back on the bus. They're not drunk enough necessarily at that point to be thrown into jail or to put into lockup. Um, so where do they go? And in the wintertime, there is no place for them to go the hotels are all rented there's no there's no apartment buildings we have we have a a women's shelter to be clear we have a really good women's shelter but that's not within their mandate and so then they may contact victim services but where is victim services putting them where is community connections putting them we have great agencies in town but their ability to actually find space for them to stay or live if you're homeless in revelstoke it's very hard it's a very difficult issue so if this concept of building um, a multi-tiered supportive housing gets um, gets going, what is what does the solution look like? Does that mean going and building a new freestanding building? Or uh, what, what are some of the ideas out there? That What are some of the possibilities? Yeah, so that was definitely not my recommendation to build a new freestanding building. Um, so here's another piece to consider. When I looked at different, I looked at a variety of different options the old schools, apartment buildings, motels, there's a variety of different things that are going on. Um, if you were to consider doing a new build, it's going to cost a lot of money. To be clear, all of these projects cost a lot of money. When you're dealing with homelessness, it costs a lot of money. But preventative measures often can do cost less than if you're dealing with a problem over time um, as, as basically as a way of... Um, well, I guess as as a as just as a stopgap measure, that actually costs more. Let me let me jump in right there. How does it cost more? For give, give me some for examples. Well, for example, if you are dealing with people who are homeless within the community, you think about um, the businesses. So there are individuals who are hanging outside of businesses, and 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 the businesses are complaining. Well, you know what? That's bad for business. Da da da. They're not wrong. It is bad for business to have people homeless people homeless individuals who are who are around town who are not. Um, who are not housed, it's 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 not great for tourism. It's not great for a variety of things. So so in that way, it costs more. It costs more in terms of every time you have someone in an emergency shelter or in a facility or working with community connections and they're not housed and you and you the housing worker is attempting to find them housing. That's a lot of money put into looking for housing when we don't have a proper solution for them. Right? It's one of the ways that we've dealt with this in the past is putting individuals up in hotels. And over time, that costs a lot of money to put indiv- homeless individuals up in hotels. There's been some hotel rooms that are wrecked, and then the government has to pay for that. Community Connections has to pay for that. So there's a variety of ways that this can cost a lot of money. If you house people, if you are able to house people appropriately, and they're able to pay their rent, and they're able to deal with their mental health issues, it costs CMHA less money. It costs the Housing Society less money. It costs Community Connections. It costs the federal government less money. It costs tourism less money. It costs businesses less money. So overall, it costs less money. But that's a long-term approach. That's a, that's a very hard thing to quantify, um, but it is something which we do know that. They have, they have the, the government has done studies on this, and that there is information that if you deal with the problem beforehand, if you help people find housing, it's going to cost you a lot less money long term. 
And sorry, before you, I interrupted you, you were talking about maybe some of the different possibilities about maybe repurposing buildings. Yeah. So, okay. So, so I looked at a variety of different options in terms of repurposing buildings. One thing to consider is that if you take an apartment building that is currently completely full in Revelstoke and repurpose that into this type of facility, you're going to be kicking people out who may then eventually need to be going back into the facility. And that, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. So taking an, an older apartment building and repurposing it, that's a difficult one. Um, there's a possibility, motels, different motels are sold and go on the market all the time here. And, and taking a look at one of those might be a good option um, and repurposing something like that into an emergency shelter slash supportive housing unit. There's a church on the hill that I looked at. That That's a bit of a difficult project because that church would require a lot of renovation. But I think there's some options. We just have to start looking at what that option looks like. And part of this is being aware that this is an issue, knowing the parameters of what we want. So we want, let's say, a four-bedroom emergency shelter with about 14 units, 12 to 14 units of emergency, or sorry, supportive housing. And when the right building comes up or when the right opportunity comes up, being able to go to BC Housing and say, listen, we found it, we want to move forward on this. That's really what the study was about, is to take a look at, make sure that we have all of the information out there so that when the opportunity comes up or when the right situation comes up, we can grab it. All right, I'm going to ask you a devil's advocate question. I just, just got a couple more. Um, wh what do you say to someone, a resident, who says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying so much in taxes and I'm, I'm, you know, up, up to here with, with bills. I'm about to be homeless. This sounds like a big expensive project. That's probably going to put me on the streets. Um, j just sounds like something I don't want to bite off. Um, you're a, you're a, a business analyst, make a business case to me about why we should do this uh, for that person who's just deeply skeptical at this point. Well, okay. So I understand that there's people who are deeply skeptical. To be clear here, the funding, I think for that person, if they're thinking about municipal funding, not the, the funding isn't all coming from municipal government anyways. The majority of the funding would have to come from BC Housing, likely CBT, likely CMHA. That's the reality. That's the same in all communities. It's not like other communities are putting all this municipal funding into that. That doesn't happen. Municipal governments don't necessarily do a lot of that. So I would say that the overall effect on the municipal budget isn't going to be very high. I wouldn't assume it would be very high if I was a community member. I am a community member, <laughs> so it wouldn't be very high. Um, but I also think in terms of the bigger picture, I think if we look at this as a community issue as a whole, we have to take care of our community members and the business case for doing so is that if we do it well, uh, all of those individuals who are currently homeless or on the verge of being homeless or in these situations, they, they have income of their own. They, they have a capacity to generate income. They have a capacity to contribute to this community and to have them as contributing members is a huge thing. That is actually very good for the community. And overall, I think that will actually benefit their tax bill. They're gonna be paying less. So um, is it, I hope I don't get the date wrong here, it's April 27th, you're doing, you're, you're uh, I'm presenting this study, give me the details, what's happening there? So April 27th, it's at the community center in the McPherson room, and it's at 6.30, and it won't be very long, it'll be about an hour and a half, I'm just going to present the results, and then after that, people will have an opportunity to ask questions, to discuss the findings of the results, and to talk about homelessness in general, but also where do we go next? What is our next steps in terms of an emergency shelter, in terms of this type of facility and, and looking forward on what this community needs. 
Nicole Frico is a Revelstoke-based business strategist um, who worked on the emergency shelter feasibility study. Nicole, thank you very much. Thank you.